everybody. This is the Never Heard of It podcast. This is the show where we talk about the movies that have fallen through our cracks and yours. I'm Sean Harwell, and I'm joined again today, as always, by the man of the hour, the man of the minute, the man of the second. Craig Moorhead, how are you? I'm doing great, Sean Harwell. How are you doing? Not that bad. The second. Okay. Who knows about this next second? Well, you know what? The second's all we have. That's true. It is true. Yeah. I'm good, man. It's October. We got a new slate of, of movies to fit the season here, I think, that we're going to talk about in a little bit. I couldn't be happier for it, man. I, I'm ready. I'm ready for fall and all that that entails. What about you? Totally. I, I agree. I want to see some falling leaves. I want some cold air. Mm. I want to go trick-or-treating. Have you picked out your Halloween costume? Uh, no. And you know what? That's really unfortunate. I, I do need to figure that out because every year it becomes more and more necessary that I have a costume and I never have one. Have you already picked one out? No. I mean, I was going to say you should reconsider going as a flasher again this year. It's just... Man, it always works, though. Everyone gets <laughs> such a kick out of it. No, I have, like, the past three years, I bought a uh, like a full-body skeleton suit, uh, one of those <laughs> nice. like, really tight-fitting things nice. that has no air holes for breathing or uh-huh. for, for viewing out of the mask that you just pull over your head. So uh, yeah. usually, yeah, when we walk around with the kids to trick-or-treat, I just wear that with the hood down. And it's always fun getting in, and uh, it's a good way to test whether I've gained weight that year sure. or not. <laughs> because it's, it says it fits all body types yeah. up to six feet, and I, I think that's a lie. Well, you know, you can always sue them. I think our daughter has a deadline of this week, though, to kind of uh. really figure out if she wants my wife to make something mm-hmm. for her costume or... Yeah, that's a real possibility in your household, isn't it? It is, yeah, yes. Cool. Excellent seamstress in our household. Well, let's talk about the movie that we're going to tee up today right after you tell us where people can find us online. Everybody, listen up. You can find us at neverheardpodcast.com. On that site, you can find every single episode we've ever done. You'll find write-ups on most of them on the on the, on the the big long episodes. You'll find write-ups on all those with some nifty posters. But also from that site, you can find us, uh, I believe you'll be able to find links to our, our Facebook, our Instagram, our Twitter, which are just buzzing with activity. <laughs> 24 7 get in the party you know what i mean yeah and uh, you know if you're looking for the podcast which would be strange since you're listening to it now but if you were looking for it you could look on itunes you'd find it on stitcher on spotify anywhere you could leave a review or subscribe that would help uh, other people find it because it messes with the algorithms and that's what you want to do these days you want to disrupt the algorithms i hate them algorithms oh man you got to punch an algorithm right in the butt you know what i'm saying yeah i hate that word uh, Craig, mm-hmm. so we're going to talk horror movies or horror adjacent movies mm-hmm. this month because you kind of got to if you got a movie podcast and it's October, right? Yeah. Like, why not? Yeah, totally. Last week we talked about I Married a Monster from Outer Space, which, you know, if yeah. you were alive in 1958, might have scared you, might very well have scared sure. you. But we're going to jump to 2017 today and tee up a movie called The Lodgers. And I'm not going to lie, I found this movie just by searching for best horror movies from last year. And yeah, I think it was maybe uh, released in America in 2018, but we'll get to that in a bit. Mm -hmm. So uh, it was on the list. I wasn't familiar with it. I've got a very, very brief description of it because IMDb, for whatever reason, for this movie has like a two-paragraph logline, which is not even a logline at that point. Right, that's just a novel. But uh, Wikipedia tells us that it is an Irish gothic horror film, so that's all I need to know. That sounds yeah. interesting. Yeah. 
I'm excited to check this out because I know nothing else about it. Uh, I haven't seen a trailer. I'm not going to. Don't look. I know a little bit about what happened behind the scenes, and I think you're going to tell us a little about the people who made it. That's exactly what I'm going to do, Sean. That would have been weird if that was not what you were going to do. Cause, <laughs> yeah. Talk about getting your wires crossed. You know what I mean? Yep. The Lodgers, Sean, is a feature film directed by Brian O'Malley. Other stuff that he has done, he directed a movie called Let Us Pray that I believe stars, uh, who is he? The Onion Knight from Game of Thrones. Love that mm-hmm. guy. Love mm-hmm. all the his little actory ticks that he has with the thing. I love that. I didn't really like the title, Let Us Pray, as in like Predator Pray. You know what I mean? I was sure. Like, that's, yeah. That's eh, a little cheesy. But the description of that movie sounds pretty great. So I encourage anyone listening, go check that out. Because actually it sounds like a cool little contained thriller horror movie. Cool. Uh, and then uh, also a, a TV show, it sounds like, called That Dirty Black Bag. Wow. Yeah, that he apparently directed all of. I think that was kind of his his thing. Now, the movie Lodgers was written by David Turpin, who has also written the upcoming Winter Lake. But I didn't see much else by him that uh, that we would have seen. Some shorts and stuff. But if you want to, you can look at David Turpin's shorts. <laughs> cool. Produced by quite a roster of people. Uh, not that I've heard of them necessarily, but a very long roster of people. Sheked Berenson. I'm just guessing there. Not great <laughs> okay. with pronunciations for new listeners. I can't I'm pronounce sure anything. Perfect. Was also an executive producer on Turbo Kid and the movie Entertainment. Two <laughs> movies I haven't seen, but both of them are on my list to see. I don't know why I haven't watched them yet. Patrick Ewald, who also produced The Man Who Killed Hitler and then Bigfoot. Oh, yeah. Okay. And Turbo Kid. Julianne Ford uh, has done tons of TV that I haven't heard of. There's one called like Mini Moguls or something, which I was mm-hmm. interested. It sounds like people are going to like little kids are going to run a studio. Why not? <laughs> yeah. Can't do much worse. God, why am I blanking on the Jodie Foster movie we watched about kid monsters? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, Bugsy Bar- Malone. Bugsy Malone. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Same, same exact thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, she's also produced the upcoming Winter Lake. We've got Rory Gilmartin, who uh, was a producer on Lobster and Brooklyn. Ah. A great Here's a great name, and I'm probably brutalizing it here, but uh, Macadera Kelleher. That's great. Yeah. I want to say that every morning when I wake up. Macadera Kelleher. Macadera has worked on uh, the upcoming Gretel and Hansel, mm. which uh, looks like a horror movie. With a little uh, wordplay, a little switcheroo there in the, yeah, in the title. A movie called The Green Knight, a David Lowry movie. David Lowry did like Pete's Dragon recently. Yeah. But Macadera Kelleher also uh, produced the short, the Jurassic Park short, Battle at Big Rock. Oh, I just watched that. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. And finally, Ruth, and I definitely am going to ruin this one. <laughs> Ruth Treaky or Treacy, possibly Treacy. Let's go with Treacy. Treacy. Ruth Treacy. You produced Spooky Stakeout, which is, I think, is a TV show. And just based on the TV title, I kind of want to watch it. Spooky yeah. Stakeout. Sounds kind of good. Sounds like something I could watch with my seven-year-old, too, which is always yeah. a plus. Music is also by uh, David Turpin, who was our writer. Mm-hmm. Although I'm assuming, I-, I know the movie involves some sort of like nursery rhyme. So I'm guessing he kind of came up with that nursery rhyme. Oh, and so that's okay. why it's music by. Uh, you got Kevin Murphy. It's his only composer credit, but he also wrote uh, a song each for the movies Once and for the 1982 movie Night Shift. 
That's a weird stretch. It seems weird, doesn't it? Once was very good. I like that movie. I, you know, I've never seen it. I've always heard oh, how good it was. Yeah, it is a good movie. Never saw it. But yeah, it's like Once was like 2006 or something, somewhere mm-hmm. in there. And Night Shift is 1982. Huh. Maybe he made so much money off Night Shift. He was like, <laughs> I'm not. I'm going to go live my life. Good for you, Kevin. Uh, Stephen Shannon, I believe is our sort of our main composer, did most of the music. He composed okay. uh, for the documentary Saviors and for a movie called Tomato Red. I feel like this is the second tomato title movie that's come up yeah. recently. What is going on? I with think tomato? the other one was like The Red Tomato. We're going to have to do a month of tomato movies. Totally. Uh, our DP is Richard Kendrick. He shot a ton of documentaries, but there were two that had fantastic titles. And since I didn't really recognize all the other ones, I decided to bring these up. One is a documentary called I Told You I Was Ill. The Life and Legacy of Spike Milligan. Okay. I'm dying to see that already. Yeah. And the other one is A Mother Brings Her Son to Be Shot. Ooh. Yeah. Just conflict right there in the title. Man. Yeah. Our editing is by Tony Kearns. Now, he edited Bandersnatch. Okay. Uh, and and uh, a bunch of stuff, but he, he looks like he started out on music videos. He edited Radiohead's Just, Pulp's Common People, and Prodigy's Firestarter. Yeah, some big videos there. They are some big videos. Yeah. And this movie is starring several actors. Hmm. Including Charlotte Vega. Now, Charlotte, you would have seen in the movie American Assassin, which I have not yet seen. But she's also apparently going to be in the upcoming Wrong Turn, which looks to be a reboot of the Eliza Dushku 2003 movie Wrong Turn, Hmm. which I stand behind, by the way. Okay. I recommend that movie. If you like sort of the mutant hillbillies chasing people through the woods. I don't know why you wouldn't. but I don't know. Yeah. It sounds like fun. Uh, we got Bill Milner. Now, Bill played the part of Will Proudfoot in Son of Rambo, which is mm. a really good movie if you haven't I seen it. I still got to see that, yeah. Oh, man. It's so good. And uh, and, and like the, the, the boys in it are like all grown up now. Like they're just adults in movies now. So you got to. Yeah, was he, so he, was he one of the kids in that movie? Uh, yeah, I think he was oh, one of the two, I think. Okay. And then uh, X-Men First Class, he played young Eric, I guess young Magneto. Hmm. You got Eugene Simon, who played Lancel Lannister in Game of Thrones, a character, sadly, I did not remember. Yeah. I looked him up and I, I, I totally got it when I looked him up, but I didn't remember that Lannister. Honestly, if it's if he didn't play Cersei, I probably don't remember yeah, who I mean, he was really. at all. Yeah. Uh, and then he played young Ben-Hur in TV's Ben-Hur. Hmm. David Bradley. Oh, David Bradley's got a face you're going to recognize, Sean. Because, Immediately, yes. Yeah, because he, he's sort of the groundskeeper Willie of Harry Potter. He uh, yes. Argus Filch, the guy with the cat. And man, that really is. He is so so memorable. That was the best casting. Uh, yeah, he's great. Yeah, He really is. Uh, Deirdre O'Kane is in a TV show called Moon Boy. And she was also in these two movies, one called With or Without You, the other one called Killing Bono. Interesting. Very, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Somebody's obsessed. Someone's a little obsessed. And then finally rounding out our main cast is Mo Dunford and Royson Murphy, both of the television show Vikings. Hmm. Uh, and then there are 28 extras who I think will all probably do a fantastic job, but I decided not to call them all out by name. I hope they'll forgive me. Sean, I hope you'll forgive me for taking up all this time when you could have been talking about behind-the-scenes antics. You know, oddly enough, 2017, 
I didn't find a ton about the making of this movie. Mm -hmm. So what I do know is that supposedly the idea for the movie came when writer David Turpin imagined ghosts taking over his house at night when he went to bed. I don't know whether that was when he was a child or just like a year ago. And he was like, (laughs) I should write this down. So who knows? But hey, you write what you know. And uh, yeah. If you think ghosts are taking over your house, that's that's good fodder for a story. Yeah, write it down. Yeah, IMDb tells me that the basic plot of this movie has some similarities or perhaps homage to Edgar Allan Poe's The Fall of the House of the Usher, mm-hmm. which uh, we'll look for those. The bulk of this movie appears to have been shot at a building called Loftus Hall. And that I did find some cool information about, Craig. So let's talk about (laughs) the set of this movie instead of anything else. But I do think the set is going to be very important. So when you look at the Wikipedia page for Loftus Hall, the second thing on this is that, quote, it was built on the site of the original Redmond Hall. It is said by locals to have been haunted by the devil and the ghost of a young woman. Together? I don't know of together. I don't know. I mean, I like the idea. Like, I do find it interesting, the idea of being haunted by the devil. Like, it doesn't seem like the devil yeah. haunts stuff. No. But, I, I'm, but I'm into it. I'm into it. I like it. Maybe the young woman is just like his girlfriend or something. Yeah. The bones of this place, this building, which it's been rebuilt a couple of times, I think, or expanded and renovated, mm-hmm. date back to, like, the 1300s. Crazy. Oh. Uh, It was a notable location during the Irish Confederate Wars in the 1600s, and there were disputes about the ownership between two families, being Redmond and the Loftus family. There's a lot of history. In the 1900s, it apparently was a convent and like a girls' reformatory for years, Mm -hmm. and then was sold and became a hotel for a little while. Uh, In 2008, it was sold to an anonymous buyer that, let's bring this full circle, was rumored to have been none other than Bono himself from U2. What? Yep. I don't think if it was him, he kept it very long because now I think it's owned by a different family. I think their last name is Quigley. Wikipedia had a, a several paragraphs long breakdown of the history of the haunted nature of this location. Mm hmm. I didn't read all of it because I want to see the movie first. You know, I don't know if they're going to use any of that mythology in the movie itself, but it involved a card game, a cloven hoof, an exorcism, a dead girl, lots of fun stuff. And apparently there is an episode of a reality show uh, here in the U.S. called Ghost Adventures (laughs) that shot over there and explored the whole tale of, of how this place has been haunted. So, yeah, go look for that. Yeah, they shot there in uh, 2016, and then the movie premiered September 8th, 2017, at the Toronto International Film Festival. It played Scream Fest in Hollywood in October of that year and did a ton of these sort of horror and genre festivals all around the world. In Spain, this movie was known as Los Inquilinos. Inquilinos? Los Inquilinos. Ah, Ah, that's terrible. That's amazing. Google tells me that translates actually to the tenants, which is, I guess, more or less interchangeable with the lodgers. I guess, yeah. Found one tagline on IMDb, which is, we see you. We see you, Craig. 
Yeah, I don't know. Uh, mm. It's a pretty generic tagline. Yeah, we'll see. From what I could tell, the box office was about under a million dollars. It got a huge release worldwide, but I didn't find a budget, so who knows? I, I think it was referred to as being a low-budget film. Sure. But let's talk about how it was received. It seems like pretty well. Noel Murray at the LA Times said, quote, for viewers who take it more as a moody, metaphorical, historical drama than just as an out-and-out horror film, there is a lot in this lush-looking, sensitively acted picture to recommend. Hmm. So I think that that's kind of cool. I don't know. So we'll see how scary this thing is, but it sounds like maybe there's a little more than just that agenda on their uh, on their docket here. Indeed. And yet, Jonathan Barkin at Dread Central wrote, Delicately crafted, The Lodgers is a richly woven tapestry of classically inspired gothic horror. Smart, scary, and undeniably beautiful. It will no doubt be considered one of the pinnacles of its genre. Hmm. ComingSoon.net, Chris Alexander there wrote, There hasn't been a more effective, disturbing, and sensorially pleasing film of this kind since Alejandro Aminabar's The Others. And like that masterpiece, O'Malley's artful, lurid, and meticulous orchestrated exercise in atmosphere, pretty misery, and dread seeps deep under your skin, and it stays there for keeps. I don't think I've seen The Others, have you? I definitely have the, the Nicole Kidman movie. Yeah, I don't think I ever got around to watching that. Yeah, you're a fan? It's pretty good, yeah. Yeah, I like that a lot. Okay, so maybe that gives you like a frame of reference for this one then, because yeah. it sounds like, yeah, this guy knows. I, I, I could see that. I could see possibly how that would work, yeah. But, and there's always at least one but. Oh, man, movie's got tons of butts, man. Simon Abrams at RogerEbert.com, two out of four stars, quote, The Lodgers disappoints on a number of levels many of which have more to do with the limitations of its creator's imagination than the apparently minuscule budget. Ouch. Man, that's not nice at all. That's a little cold. I, I don't know. If he's one of the main writers for RogerEber.com, and I'm not sure he is, yeah, they, they, they can get a, little, they get a little snarky over there every now and mm -hmm. then. A little, a little hard to please sometimes. Uh, let's talk about 2017. It wasn't that long ago, Craig. Do you remember what the number one movie of the year was? Oh, actually, this is globally. Number one movie globally that year. What do you think? 2017? You'll be happy to hear this, I suspect. Oh, Last Jedi? Yes, I know you are a noted <laughs> defender of Last Jedi. Yeah, that was number one globally. Here's the thing. Number one globally, but there's not a single person on Earth who likes it. <laughs> Keep that in mind. It's a failure. <laughs> That goes out to some of our buddies. Yeah, major disappointment, yeah. <laughs> Beauty and the Beast was number two. Fate of the Furious, Despicable Me 3, Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle, which will be the last time I ever say that full title. Spider-Man Homecoming, Wolf Warrior 2, Craig, which was a movie Crane and I talked a little bit about in mm -hmm. our month of Chinese films. Yes, that was oh, a Chinese right. film. And that was the first non-Hollywood film ever to crack the top 100 all-time box office, which is crazy, and obviously made crazy. the top 10 that year. Guardians of the Galaxy 2, Thor, Ragnarok, and Wonder Woman. If you're doing the math at home, four of those movies belong to Disney. And nine of the 10, even in China, are sequels or remakes. And one might argue the one movie that isn't Wonder Woman Kinda is, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, a little bit. But domestically, I, I didn't realize this, and I'm surprised, I'm sure there were headlines about it, but this was the first time since 1958, which was the year that I Married a Monster from Outer Space came out, mm -hmm. that the top three films in the United States all had female leads. Last Jedi, Beauty and the Beast, and Wonder Woman. 
Wow. I know. Crazy. That and yet not, not very surprising, sadly. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, exactly. Here's an interesting fact. I'm going to ask you if you can guess this, but uh, it's hard. Mm-hmm. Any idea what the most profitable movie of 2017 was? And that's like based on return of investment. That's that's easy, Sean. You go ahead and tell us. <laughs> M. Night Shyamalan split. Oh, totally. Yeah. Man, I, I was trying to think like, yeah, I was thinking Get Out, but that was 2016 or something probably, wasn't it? Actually, no, it wasn't. We can segue from that to the Oscars uh, if you would like. Oh. I would like. Okay, so yeah, the best picture in 2017, you may recall, was Shape of Water. Mm-hmm. And uh, Guillermo del Toro also picked up Best Director. Uh, Frances McDormand won Best Actress for Three Billboards Outside of Ebbing, Missouri. Gary Oldman won Best Actor for Darkest Hour. Still haven't seen that. Mm-mm. Best Supporting Actor went to Sam Rockwell for Three Billboards. And Best Supporting Actress, Allison Janney for I, Tanya. And yes, Craig, Best Original Screenplay, Jordan Peele, Get Out. Love it. Coco won Best Animated Film, and A Fantastic Woman picked up Best Foreign Film. I'm not going to mention every other notable movie from 2017, because <laughs> there's so many movies that get made now, yeah. you know, when you just exclude theatrical only, that it would be way too many to mention. But I do want to mention The Handmaiden came out that year, and that movie's awesome if you haven't seen that. Yeah, I have not seen that. i got to check really that good. out. But The Lodgers, Craig. Yeah. Didn't win any Oscars, was not nominated for any, but at the Irish Film and TV Awards, it picked up Best Visual Effects and was nominated for Costume Design and Production Design, perhaps tipping the hat to the uh, gothic experience we're going to get here. And Charlotte Vega picked up Best Actress at Fan Cine Festival. Good for her. Got a couple miscellaneous bits of trivia for you here, Craig. IMDb told me that all three of the leads in this movie are noted as being good swimmers who did their own stunts. Well, that's uh, that's what it takes to get get ahead in the acting world, you know? I guess there's, there's nothing about the title The Lodgers that makes me think there's going to be any swimming in this movie at all. No. You know, well, that's like, I think that's the twist. I mean, maybe Loftus Hall has an indoor pool that I don't know about or something. But maybe, yeah, mm-hmm. maybe that's a twist. They're in the pool the whole time. You don't even know it. And also, there were two actors in this film who appeared in Game of Thrones, one of them being David Bradley, the other... I'm not entirely sure. I don't remember. Eugene Simon? No? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. You, you told me. Okay, I forgot already. Yeah, it's okay. It's okay. I don't listen to your part either. That's good. You shouldn't. <laughs> but both of them died in season six. Spoiler. And if you haven't made it to season eight yet. <laughs> just stop. Yeah, just stop. Yeah. You're, you're great. You're just, you <laughs> make it up in your head. Oh, man. It always comes back to that. Mm-hmm. You're welcome, Heath Michaels. <laughs> The Lodgers. It is available on Netflix if memory serves. If not, I'm sure you can find it for rent elsewhere. Come watch it with us. It's, it's October. you got nothing better to do. We're going to get into it, mm. it uh, next time and let you know what you think. I'm excited about this. You know, We talked a little bit about the movie Stonehurst Asylum, written by Joe and Jimmy, who was a guest. Yeah. And I watched that not that long ago. And yeah, you know, just these movies that are set in a period... In one location where something not good is going on, I just like watching them. Like, there's just something, it's just easy to get into. I don't really care if they're that scary, to be quite honest, you know? Uh, There's just something unsettling about that surrounding. Well, certainly when it's done right, like, it's it's a very inviting setting for me anyway. Yeah, I love that stuff. Yeah, so I'm all about it. Hopefully it'll deliver, and uh, yeah, we'll talk next time about it in detail. Craig, any last words? Uh, Sean, here's the deal. 
Bono casts a very long shadow in Ireland, clearly. Yep. It seems like he's part of anything, anything that's happening. Somehow Bono's involved. I don't know if that's good last words, but I'm just, that's my realization today. Did you know he produced the movie Leprechaun? Get out of here. I will. Okay, bye. Okay, bye. We'll talk.